0: The Big Rick Podcast, the best of the biggest interviews from Big Rick in the morning on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See more info now at onairwithrick.com. On the Big Rick Podcast, Mr. Ryan Recker, and I promise he's wearing pants right now. I can see him on the video screen. How you doing, brother?
1: (laughs) Well, you can see me from the waist up, so that's the thing. It could be video could be very deceptive
0: sometimes. (laughs) Well, hey man, uh, I saw your post on Facebook today, and this is why I wanted wanted to get you on. First of all, you're breaking in the new Roadcaster Pro. We want to thank our friends at Road for uh, getting us all squared away. Sweetwater Sounds, which is in a town that you used to work in, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, They they were wonderful getting me all set up, and uh, you're the first guest on the Roadcaster Pro.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's the envy of most people that work from home. Podcasters, that's the that is the holy grail of the sound equipment that everyone wants. And since you ordered from Sweetwater, what candy did you get in the box?
0: I got Tootsie Rolls.
1: Oh, nice. Isn't that cool that they yeah. put a little treat in there?
0: I yeah. uh, my, my girlfriend's daughter uh, was happened to be going through the box before I got home to to see, you know, to to, to get everything out. And the first thing she says to me when I walk in is, uh, there's candy in that box. And I'm like, what? And I had no idea that that was a thing. So it's funny that you brought that up. I thought it was an accident. Oh, yeah, they'll
1: do that if you purchase, uh, if you go purchase in person, too. Because I've bought some things from them. And in the bag, they'll put a little thing of candy in there, too. It's it's a super nice touch.
0: Well, they better give me some candy as much as I spent with them, that's for sure. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's worth it, though. Those things are so cool.
0: I spent the whole, uh, almost the whole stimulus check on it. So,
1: oh man, you have been spending. Well,
0: I, I, so, you know, when you put together a studio, you know, the is like 600 bucks, but the, now Sweetwater gave me a, a deal and I won't tell you what that deal is, but I can tell you they will give you a deal. Okay. And, uh, of course I don't have a computer to record on. So of course I had to buy a brand new laptop, right? Oh gosh. It was just killing me to do that by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and then lo and behold, I found out Monday that, uh, I had to start doing my radio show on WGGC from home. And yep. I'm like, will this duel as an air console? So I had to call Sweetwater again. They're like, yeah, absolutely. This is how you hook it into the, to the, uh, the Comrex system you use. And I did my entire show like I was oh. in a regular studio all morning long. It was amazing. Oh yeah.
1: They are so. So good at this, but I think the whole idea of the roadcaster isn't there a little place where you can put in a, you know, gigabyte chip or whatever, so you can yeah. save it directly onto the chip. You don't have to plug it into a computer if you don't want to, or you can run that as a backup. Yeah. So in case something crashes, you'll be safe. Yeah. And man, Sweetwater so good about that. Look, this is not sponsored by Sweetwater, but it should be because they're so good. <laughs> and you're right; you can make phone calls, but. Uh, when I go inside of there, they have everything. One of the cool things that they have is like a microphone room so you can test out anything they have in cell. Like, really? You, you walk into Sweetwater and you, yeah, if they have it on in the catalog, you say, hey, can I test this out? They'll bring it out to you and you can play with it before you buy it if you live in that area. How cool wow. is that? I got
0: myself a SM7B, which is made by Shura. I, 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 am I saying what? that correctly?
1: You said Shura or Shura?
0: Shura? or sure?
1: Sure. I always said sure. That's how I've always said it. And I yeah. don't know if there's an official way to do it. I, f- I feel like there's, there's some um, fancy way of pretty, saying
0: it and we just don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> you're, make, you're making it too hard. Like It, it doesn't have to be as difficult. It, that's a pretty standard <laughs> type of microphone. I've seen a lot of podcasters start using that one. They've been upgrading their rigs and finding uh, that they do want to have a nice microphone, they realize it makes a really big difference when they do have a nice piece of equipment to record on. Mm -hmm. So people have been doing that. And they, uh, you know, hobbyists have been getting into it more than they had in the past. A lot of people use those USB microphones they plug straight into the computer. But the way that these prices come down on this equipment, they want to spend money and get something a little bit nicer. I mean, you see a lot of people doing it. So that's great. And broadcast, great applications for broadcasters who want to do more from home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's move on from our shameless plug to road in Sweetwater (laughs) here. I'm sure they're loving this right now. Uh, Ryan Recker, who is the host of Overnight America, KMOX St. Louis. um, By the way, grew up in Evansville, Indiana. I grew up listening to the St. Louis Cardinals on your station.
1: Sure. Of course. I mean, there's 150, 160 different Cardinals affiliates. It's a huge mm-hmm. network. And 1120 AM signal reaches so far to begin with. You could pick it up in a lot of different places. It yeah. So many Cardinals fans because of that.
0: Yeah. Um, so I saw, I, I, I mentioned a Facebook post you had earlier today, and then I got off track there. Um, and, it, you know, President Trump has, uh, is going to sign, uh, is, is an executive order to stop all immigration Into the U.S. Do you you think it's the right move?
1: Yeah, I've seen some of this and, uh, you know, I'd like to see exactly what it says in it. But the idea that there's, you know, 20 some million people that are filing for unemployment once that would normally have jobs because of this uh, coronavirus. I I do believe once the economy starts reopening that those uh, those businesses are going to be able to replenish their workforce. I really hope that's the case, and I'm optimistic, but when you talk about some states are going to be able to do it earlier than others, and then some states are going to be going on this phased hearing, so you might be able to open it up, but not everyone's going to be implemented back in, and you start to think, okay, so eventually the jobs will come back, but at some point, you want to compete um, with people that are not citizens of the United States. Hmm. So you have 20, 30 million people, let's say, uh, spread out across, and Each region is different, but they're going to be all looking for jobs, and they want to get jobs. And the stimulus unemployment that's going to be afforded to them is only going to last for so long, and you want to be able to have a job to go back to. The idea that um, you want to make sure you don't add competition to your own citizens. Now, keep in mind, if someone is already a United States citizen, they can travel back to the United States. It doesn't prevent someone that can legally come here. But the idea that uh, we don't want people coming to the United States take advantage of all the jobs that are coming in before we take care of the own, uh, their own. And, you know, I understand that this is kind of a, a different take on what we've seen over the nineties and two thousands when it came to the immigration debate, on uh, when it came to labor and the labor cost, and, you know, uh, are we tracking this properly or whatever it may be? This is a whole different scenario because I mean, the whole world's impacted by this. So let's say the United States, um, takes the risk. They open up, the borders and they allow uh, a massive amount of immigration into the country that would flood the market before the jobs are readily available and then you have a lot of americans that'll be on on unemployment for a lot longer time i think it's the opposite of what they want to happen like between canada i think they want to stay on lockdown a lot longer than the united states does we at least have a plan and we want to start reopening things mexico's a whole different deal you don't really look at it that way but you, you think of all the other places where immigrants could be coming in from the country. Yeah. Um, I think what you want to do is try to at least make sure we don't have, you know, tens of millions of people on unemployment all at the same time for a long period of time before you give the opportunity for those people to reinsert themselves back into the workforce, because you know, if they're already working and they were already in that workforce, they're going to be inclined to want to go out and find a job as fast as possible for a couple of different reasons, you know, money being one, but, Healthcare is going to be a big thing too. You, they want to get their family back on a healthcare plan that's going to be provided or whatever with the, uh, with that. So um, it's an interesting play. Um, I, I think it's not a bad idea. I do believe that we have an obligation to take care of our own people. And as Americans, we are gracious when it comes to immigrants and we always have been, but I think we at some point got to say, this is a very special circumstance where we got to take care of tens of millions of people that were, displaced by the government and we got to be taking, we got to take care of them first and that's what we got to do. So um, yeah, I, I think at a time like this, it's not a bad idea to to do something like this.
0: It's uh, the big rig podcast. That is Ryan Recker. You're hearing my good friend from KMOX St. Louis overnight America host. Well, let me ask you this. Um, what if we do all this and then, you know, things aren't still going so hot with the economy. What if there's not as many jobs to go back to, as there was before this all happened.
1: Yeah, that's going to be tough. Um, That's going to be real tough. Now, there's going to be some businesses that just can't afford to reopen that could lead to other opportunities. And and generally speaking, I mean, when you look at just how industries have adapted in the past, businesses are very uh, resilient to change. Some are. The ones that aren't resilient to change are the ones that normally fall to the wayside. So you think about, all the different family businesses, the small businesses that were impacted by this. And a lot of them could be in situations where the generation's like, well, I was thinking about retiring and you know, the company's not really, there's, there's, there's nothing they can do. They were probably just going to close down the shop anyway. It might not be a transition or a, someone, a, a buyer that would want to take it over at that point. But then there's companies that are getting, hopefully with this new uh, phase of the stimulus bill, funding to keep the doors open so they can keep, people employed and they can keep their business afloat after everything opens back up. And with these low cost uh, loans that are coming through to them, hopefully they can get their hands on it before it runs dry. And, you know, there's a lot of companies that have had a hard time with it because there's been such a demand to it. But I think the fact that we can blow through $250 billion and we're talking about another $500 billion where businesses want to get those loans in order to stay open is a really good sign that these companies are doing everything they can to stay open. Some of them had to furlough some of their employees. I think the plan is that if they can get some of the stimulus money that they're going to be able to get them back on board. And that's kind of the incentive to have this money available to them is to make sure these people still work. And also that the business doesn't go under. But I, you know, I do think that there's going to be a great opportunity for some of these businesses. I, I do believe it's going to be tough for them for a while. It may be change some of the way that how they believe they should operate as a business maybe they'll realize that there could be more importance uh, or at least more importance put on to things like people that are shopping online or curbside or you know just the trends of what people and consumers are going to be wanting in the future when it comes to what they're buying and how they're buying it and how they want it but overall if you look at the stock market we've done you know all things considered we were running really high. We we're at like 28 29,000 in the Dow Jones. And then we take a big hit. We go under 20,000 for a while. And last check, we were right around 23,000 off the checker at the time we were recording this. But all things considered, I mean, investors are still investing. We're yeah. still higher than where we were before the election in 2016. I think the fact that we go through a worldwide pandemic where the entire world shuts down and still our economy is above where it was a couple of years ago, and, it, and it's, it's at least floating or growing. is a huge indication that once things start opening back up, it's going to have a lot of opportunities for these businesses as long as they stay afloat. And a lot of them are fighting to, so that's I mean, all of these things are good signs. Now, the big thing that's going to be the hard part, the, the question mark, is you know, when things open up. So, if it takes a long time for some of these places to open up, that's going to be a huge burden. Uh, some states have been hit harder than others. It's just dependent on when these things open back up.
0: Yeah, I saw uh, um, an interactive map on the states hit hardest by unemployment due to the coronavirus. Uh, What state do you think is number one? Just curious.
1: Wait, say that. So the states that, say that one more time.
0: That have filed the most unemployment claims that have been hit hardest by unemployment. Guess the number one state.
1: Yeah, boy. Uh, California? Mm Mm-mm. Oh, uh, let's say Michigan.
0: Uh, it's in the top ten. In the top ten, you're close. Oh wow! It's not in the Midwest. Wow. I can tell you that.
1: Oh, how about New York? Uh
0: no, no. I think New York was I- is like around 15ish. I'd have to go back and look at it. But oh. the number one state hard hit uh, hit the hardest by unemployment is Colorado. Oh,
1: interesting. That's weird.
0: But I mean. You know, I would have to guess Colorado is totally built around tourism. So, I mean, nobody can go anywhere. I mean, th- th- that has to be a big impact there.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, all these states and places are trying to figure out if they have sports, if they have a lot of uh, conventions, uh, festivals, mm-hmm. all the money and revenue that's lost from that. Like here in St. Louis, so that when there's no Cardinals and there's no Cardinals home games like we're seeing right now, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars a day that's being lost for every non-home game. And then you look at just the course of doing it over a month with adding everything else into it. You're talking, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars that just go out that um, would just be normal generators of things that people would be using inside the market. Colorado, that's interesting to me. I I guess I'd have to look into it, but I didn't realize their tourism was so much that they would be hit the hardest with all of it.
0: Now, I mean, when I looked at this, it was uh – you know, early in the week, and every day they're updating those numbers because it seems like when you think there couldn't be more unemployment claims, there's like, you know, 20 million more, it seems like. So, I mean, that that could change, obviously. Here's another thing I want to ask you about. Uh, by the way, Ryan Recker, overnight host at KMOX St. Louis, Overnight America. Go check it out, his podcast, by the way. He's, I believe, in the top 100 on Apple Podcasts right now. So congratulations on that. Um, b- b- big accomplishment <laughs> there.
1: In, yeah. In my category. I'm proud of it. Thank you.
0: Yes. But, uh, you, as you know, I'm in Kentucky and, you know, governor Andy Beshear has, has made national news. He's been very, very aggressive in shutting down the state and making sure that you know, all the guidelines are followed for social distancing, but he's also received a lot of criticism, you know, writing out license plates at churches and this and that, but then across the state line we've got Tennessee, which is like 30 minutes from me where I live, and, you know, they, they've had an explosion of cases, but they're talking about reopening things there already. What are your thoughts on some of these states? Maybe moving a little too fast or no?
1: Uh, so the different phases that the federal government put out the big part is just the testing compliance so i don't think many states are able to reach that as of right now but just recently there's this special type of swab they've been talking about that'll make things a lot easier for states to test it's easier to manufacture they can purchase these things so it's not like they have to send it back to a lab like you know if, if you had a you know blood test or something that they were using at the very onset of these things but i um you know, they talked about this in the White House too, interstate travel, how are they going to handle it? They don't have an answer on it on the federal level too. We haven't really restricted travel as much that way. In Canada, they have. I mean, I've, I've talked to some people up there and they mentioned that, um, you know, it is against their their uh, quarantine rules right now. You can't go from one city to another if you feel like it might be easier to get supplies somewhere else you're supposed to just stay close to where you are. Um, you know, going in between the states, what I think is the biggest contributor to some of the spread of the coronavirus is just you know the highly dense populations and it's just how easy and contractable this thing is once you finally find yourself as a carrier you know you come in contact with a lot more people in a, a, a dense area and that's why some of the large metro areas were hit hard but traveling between states you know as if, if, if long as you're complying to what they say would help stop the spread of this and you're careful and you're paying attention to what you're doing, I think the biggest thing that's going to help is just the different habits that people are picking up. Not standing too close and, you know, watching, touching your face, washing your hands, soap water, Germex, or whatever you may be using. And I think even if you travel to another state, even though you might have hard restrictions in Kentucky, I don't think it's going to be a huge threat if you pop over to Tennessee for something or whatever, as long as you're following the guidelines. Because, I mean, overall... A lot of the numbers that they're tracking and basing their decisions on are people that are already sick. So as long as you stop the spread and you're careful at the way you travel and you're careful the way you interact with other people, it's all about hopefully recovering from this, dropping those numbers down and getting to those other areas to where it's a point that's a little bit better. But, you know, I I don't have a problem with uh, travel in between the states as long as it's done responsibly.
0: Yeah. Ryan Rucker on the Big Rig podcast. Um, You can catch him on Overnight America, uh, KMOX St. Louis, legendary station there. Uh, One last thing I want to talk about, and I'm kind of being selfish with our time here, because I want to talk about radio. And, um, (laughs) you you know, the coronavirus has been brutal to the radio and in local media industry in general. Uh, and, And that's related to, you know, the loss of, advertising dollars. Not much you can do there. Um, but the National Association of Broadcasters is lobbying to rescue radio stations. Now, let me ask you this, Ryan. W- would you want to rescue a big company? A- and you work for one of those big companies. We won't name that company. But, you know, w- would you rescue these big companies or would you only rescue the independent or small mom-and-pop broadcasters?
1: Mm. It's a good question. It's a really good question. Um, You know, I, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I think when you talk about aid to radio stations, I think the big question is going to be, do they serve the community? Do they have a purpose in their community? So there's going to be, it's hard to have some sort of minister that can go out there and evaluate each and every radio station applying for this and use it objectively. But I think a lot of the mom and pop radio stations do a fantastic job at serving communities because they, a lot of times don't have as much of the, uh, they don't have a ton of competition like some of these large markets do. So like if you go and look at the the amount of radio stations in a large market, they just, they're all trying to carve out their piece of the pie and they got all these demographics that they're trying to go towards. But then you go into some of these uh, communities In some of the smaller areas and cities, it's not as many stations. There's not as much of a pie to carve out. But what you find is that they serve that pie, that slice they got, and they super serve them. And that's how they have found uh, success. So I think if you're going to start dishing out money to radio stations, you have to meet a few fitness tests. If you're not serving, I mean, if if you're just a station and you're running satellite programming, and you're running out-of-market people, and you're not doing anything to contribute to the community, you're not offering anything local, then what's the point, right? So you are I don't see <laughs> you being all, uh, you know, stations like that being financially hit hard. I mean, they might lose advertising, but then again, if they don't have anyone on the radio station um, that's offering anything to the community, then were they, what were, I mean, what were they doing to begin with? So I, I think what you wanna do is make sure the money's gonna be distributed wisely, who are the ones that help the communities? Who are the ones that inform them? And who are the ones that did it? Who are the ones that just brought programming from another location and plopped it in there and just left it to be? So yeah. I think you have to look at that. And if you could, if you could make sure that uh, you're using your time and resources wisely. I mean, this is a time for broadcasters to realize people are really. They really do trust on you. They they trust for what you offer to them. Yeah. They're looking for you to offer this to them. And if you're not doing it to them, then you know what's the point of all of this? So it's it's a tough question. I think big companies it's it's tough because you know they got caught in a trap. Some of the largest ones did when it came to consolidation and ownership and they're already running on razor thin margins. So you don't want to see these days where a bunch of people get laid off because of the mistakes of the people that are owners and that stinks because ultimately what they're doing is trying to protect people to make sure they still have jobs and you don't want them to add them their numbers to the unemployment because it's going to be difficult for them to find new jobs in the future. So I don't know. Yeah. I think um, as opposed to looking at maybe big and small stations, maybe you look at who serves and who doesn't.
0: I, I've always been of the opinion. I've said this on a couple of other bo- podcasts that I've been a guest on. Uh, the Face for Radio podcast with Chachi uh, is one of those. I feel like radio as an industry and maybe even local TV um, should go through a retraction uh, phase, c- kind of like what baseball does, it seems like, every 50 years. You know, we, we've got too many teams I feel like we have too many radio stations, too many of them, um, and it's like there, there, there's a new licensing window coming up to put even more signals on the air. I, I think it just dilutes our product. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, it's tough. I mean, competition's always going to be there. I don't know if it's a huge issue of dilution um, because there's an endless amount of options already out there. Uh, people can get whatever they want, digitally speaking. So your competition is always going to be more than anyone could ever imagine 20 years ago. It's just pretty remarkable when your competition is anyone that there's no barrier of entry to get into it anymore with podcasting or videos or websites or blogs or anything. There is since the competition. So diluting it with more frequencies, um, you know, I, I don't really look at it as a dilution per se I think if people want to buy into radio, that's my, not necessarily a bad thing. The thing that I hate is about twenty translators for one station. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that doesn't do any good. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm talking about right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're granting all
0: these waivers for this too. Like they're just, yeah. you know, just pushing the paperwork through. It feels like, um, you know, the federal government had that uh, paycheck protection program, and it's catching some yeah. flack. And I thought it would. Because it didn't seem to be a lot of strings attached, which was reported early on. Well, I saw this story where Shake Shack returned ten million dollars because they were like, "Well, uh, we found other, you know, funding, other credit lines, or whatever." Uh, but this thing is turning out to be a disaster. So, what are your thoughts on how this has all gone down? And, and again, I don't really think we should blame the president for this. He's got treasury secretary who should have maybe had a little bit more oversight on this.
1: Yeah. Part of the idea is that they're working with lenders. So they're working with banks that would then distribute this money. So based on what the guidelines are, the banks should be following these guidelines on who they give money to, who they're lending to. But when the guidelines aren't followed, and obviously when you have a company that size, you have more than 500 employees or whatever the, Whatever the threshold was, I can't remember, but yeah, when you're when you're um, taking advantage of it, that's that's bad. So let's say the bank gives out a loan they shouldn't have. The loan is given to the company that shouldn't have it to begin with. The government, I think, has it's all within their their power to say no. We're this loan was uh, not followed through properly, so we're going to take that money back. And I think that's what they've already indicated. Uh, President Trump did talk about that, I think, just yesterday during the press conference, where you do get these big companies, they'll ask for the money back. So that's, to me, I I think that, I I don't know, I I think that some of these companies, either out of, well, everyone's doing it, so we don't want to miss out on it, or we might as well try, and if they give it to us, that's good, but we'll probably get denied, and then they find, oh, we got through anyway are finding it, it's very embarrassing on the back end because mm-hmm. public backlash and their yeah. their their company is the way they're looked at is taking advantage of a crisis like this it's not good for them so they made a they made a huge mistake and they're going to be out the money so this money was obviously designed for much smaller companies to make sure they can keep payroll and keep people employed and if you don't keep to the spirit of that then yeah get the money back from them immediately
0: yeah Wow, great insight. Ryan Recker, man, you got to check this guy out on Twitter uh, and, of course, his, his new Facebook page. Uh, we, You and I did a live <laughs> video on there recently. Um, I know. You're already uh, breaking decks and cash and checks on that Facebook page. You're doing very well on there, too. Um <laughs> I'm not like
1: you, man. You guys, you got it going on. You are the king of all of this. I mean, people should be studying you in radio (laughs) to learn about your success with it. You're fantastic.
0: Well, thank you, man. Uh, So go check Ryan Recker. Yeah, you heard it right. Just like something that would tow a semi away, I guess. Um, (laughs) Tell them about your show a little bit and what you do and where they can find you, too, on the interwebs.
1: Yeah, so my show is on Sunday night through Thursday night, which is in the evenings on X, eleven twenty a.m. or on the Radio.com app. Intercom's very big at trying to make sure we talk about the Radio.com app, yeah. but it's on there and it's it's got some pretty neat technology where you could you know rewind, which is a fun feature, up to twenty four hours. So if you you know miss a part, you can pause it, you can play it, whatever you need to do. But um, I'm on Twitter at Ryan Recker on Facebook Ryan Recker Radio. I just started that a few weeks ago. I'm, yeah, I'm way late, way late on this. But as soon as I started working from home, I thought I might as well just start one, and there <laughs> it is. So I've been having some fun with it. That's uh, the best ways for people to check it out. The podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can search for Overnight America. That's my name of the show, and. Yeah, I would. I would love it if anyone listening here, if they wanted to reach out or send me a message, or if they wanted to talk, or who knows, anything. Just uh, send me a message on any any of those platforms.
0: Yeah. Um. By the way, uh, you know, you may envy me in the social media space, but where I'm trying to catch up is podcasting, and I, and I think my podcast is like doing like okay, like maybe not that okay. I don't know. But you know, how many average listeners do you guys have a week? Because I I know you're killing it on that end of things.
1: Oh, um, no, I don't know if it's killing it is the right word, but it's in a category that is a category that's not as competitive as the other one. So you talk about like the comedy category yeah. huge. You talk about the news category is huge. I put myself in the news commentary category. It's one that Apple put out not that long ago. And I, um, I like it. I think it's a great little category to be in because hey all of a sudden I I can't make it with the big dogs in comedy but man I could get in the top 100 in news category news commentary so are are you getting like a hundred every day
0: are you getting like a hundred thousand listeners a week like what how many people you reached on that thing
1: oh on the radio show itself you know I'm the 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 metrics for that I'm not 100% positive but for podcasting, no, it's not even close to that. It's not even nearly like it. I got my kid; just came down. He's giving me sneaking <laughs> into my little studio hey down here. Hey there. Oh, I'm, the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you Can you <laughs> Can I I'm sorry. You should have been up there. I'm gonna have to yell at him.
0: Hey, it's hey, all good. It's everybody. all good, man. What's hey, we're at you? the 30 minute this mark.
1: How working from home Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just <laughs> go, go
0: play hide and go seek, man. I'm telling you, the ki- the kids, you yeah, can't wait.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for having me on. This is one of the things that happen when you're working from home, I'm sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm bored out of my mind right now. I got to find people to interview now. <laughs> no, it, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure. I've been wanting to have you on for about a year now. And uh, I listen to your show when I'm up. Uh, and Can't Sleep. I listen to it once in a while, and uh, you're doing a great job there. Uh, Again, catch Overnight America, KMOX, on the radio.com app. Mr. Ryan Record, thanks for joining us, buddy.
1: Thank you so much. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Big Rick Podcast.
0: Remember to subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See exclusive video interviews and content now
1: with the Big Rick in the Morning YouTube channel. Subscribe now at onairwithrick.com.